Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. Well, there was a uh, circus ringmaster who made the incredible offer of giving $1,000 to anyone who could just squeeze one more single drop of juice from a lemon after he had squeezed it. Numerous people came and tried. I mean, there were steel workers, there were cowboys, railroad workers, weight lifters. But no one could get another drop of juice out of the lemon. One day, a small man with wire-rimmed glasses came to him and said, I can certainly get another drop of juice out of that lemon, sir. Well, the ringmaster got the lemon, he squeezed it, and he handed it to the little man. Well, sure enough, the little dude not only got one drop, but he got three more drops out of that lemon. Well, the ringmaster was certainly surprised, and so he gave, uh, went over to him and gave him the $1,000, and he says, hey, listen, I just have to ask you, how did you do that? The guy said, man, it's no problem. I'm on the finance team of the Baptist church. <laughs> Our finance team is doing a tremendous job squeezing more lemon juice out of the lemons, amen. We have a great finance team here, and I want them to know, man, I'm so thankful that you serve, and man, this year has been incredibly, incredibly difficult, but I praise God for his faithfulness, but you know, sometimes it's really hard to get the people of God to give to God what he really asks. I'm so thankful that we are in a church, man, with a bunch of givers, I want you to know today that you probably can already tell that, yeah, we're going to talk about money today. We're going to talk about the tithe. I really want you to kind of go with me in your sanctified imagination, if you could. Would you imagine this morning that right now, just kind of right after we took up the offering, that someone stood up and shouted, we've just been robbed. (laughs) Now, I know that maybe some chaos might ensue. There would be some who would probably be angry. There would definitely be some who would be frustrated. Some people may say, man, we have been wronged by one in our own body. Others might begin to think about, well, what's that going to mean? I mean, how are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to do ministry? Some of you would begin to think about, well, how are we going to catch them? I mean, what are we going to do? I mean, how are we going to, we going to, we going to get in our truck? We're going to follow them? We're going to call the police? I don't really know, but I know there'd be a lot of chaos that would happen. But let's continue in our imagination, though. Let's just pretend that amongst all the confusion, someone then points in your direction and all the fingers point to you and someone shouts right there, right there. That's the one that robbed us. And they're all pointing at you. Let me ask the question. This morning, did you just rob God? That's a great question. What? I mean, what are you talking about? Let's stand together and read out of Malachi's, the book of Malachi, and let's stand together and read God's Word. I'm going to begin reading in verse 7 of Malachi chapter 3. You're saying, where is Malachi? Well, Malachi is like the Italian prophet. You can call him Malachi if you want to. But he's right before the Gospel of Matthew. So you just kind of can find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
And then Malachi is right there. So Malachi chapter 3, beginning in verse 7. Let's hear the word of God. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house, and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. You may be seated, and may God bless the reading of his word. So like the people in this text, you may be here and wondering what kind of question and what kind of an audacious question is it, did I just rob God? Simply with much love in my heart, I have to tell you the truth. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, he has commanded you to give a tithe. And then our text this morning, we're going to learn three principles about the tithe. The first one is simply this, that if I don't tithe, there is a robbery that has occurred. If I don't tithe, there's a robbery that has occurred. Simply put, the people of God had left their God and taken their money with them. They were so far from God, they didn't realize what was happening. So God says that, first of all, we need to recognize the failure to tithe is a serious sin. Recognize the failure to tithe is a serious sin. Look there in verse 8. Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me? God says this is personal. This is a strong uh, 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 accusation. No, it's a strong fact. It's, it's not an insinuation. It's just simply the truth. They have personally robbed the God of the, this universe. Now, we all know that it's one thing to charge someone with a crime, but it's another thing to prove it. Like most people that are accused of a crime, the initial response of the people here is to plead innocent. Well, how have we robbed you? In effect, what they were really saying is, is God, do you have any witnesses? Is there a smoking gun? What is your evidence? And the reply sent the entire nation into stunned silence when God says, my only piece of evidence that you have robbed me is this. You are not tithing. They had forgotten something about God and they had forgotten something about money. What they had forgotten about God was that God is keeping the books. God is checking the ledger. God is watching every time we write a check or every time they would transfer funds. God is watching to see everyone who is giving to his work and who isn't. Now, the ushers may not have saw it this morning. I definitely don't know about it. The finance team might not be able to prove it. But every time the people of God gather together and someone is not tithing, there's a robbery that's occurred. Now, we don't rob with a gun. We, we don't take something when nobody is looking because you've got to know that you can steal in two ways. You can steal by taking something that doesn't belong to you 
Or you can steal by keeping something that belongs to somebody else. The fact is that every week in our church, when the baskets are passed, the people, there are people of God who really rob God. And I know, listen to me, I know that doesn't sound well and that doesn't sit well. But you got to stick with me. It's not because they take something out of the basket. It's simply because they're not putting the tithe in the basket. And God knows this. But then they've also forgotten something about money. You see, your money is not your money. My money is not my money. This is why it's wrong not to put it in the basket, because it doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. The tithe was meant to be a reminder to the people that, that God is the one who gives us everything. That he owns everything. He owns the silver. He owns the, the gold. He owns our checking accounts. God owns everything. So when we don't give him back what's his, we're really robbing him. You see, just like some today, they didn't see that failing to tithe was disobeying God's word and his will. And thus it was a serious sin. So what is the sin? The sin is not giving a tithe. And in verse 10, it's not just giving the tithe. It's the whole tithe. So what is a tithe? Great question. The word tithe literally means a tenth, 10%. The people of God were to give a tenth of all they had back to God. So immediately the question arises, since this is in the Old Testament and talking to Israel, does this really apply to me? Well, I believe that it does for several reasons. First one is this, before the law was given, the tithe is given. In other words, the, the tithe is not really directly related to the law. It came before the law. We see in Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20, that Melchizedek is there. And in chapter 14, verses 18 through 20, it says, and Melchizedek, the king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and now he's a priest of God most high. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abraham of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has handed over your enemies to you. And then the text says that Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. What you need to understand is, is that this is 400 years before the law ever shows up. So what I'm trying to tell you is, is just as Abraham gave to Melchizedek, and we know that from the book of Hebrews that Melchizedek is a type of Christ, just as Abraham gave Christ a tenth, so too now we, the church, give a tenth of all we have to our Most High God. This is before the law. But then also in the law, it's required because in Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30, it says this. Now, all the tithe of the land, of the seed of the land, of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. So we see not only is it before the law and it's in the law, but we also see that Jesus comes along and says the tithe is really a good idea. And after this, we see in Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Jesus says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these things you should have done without neglecting the others. Jesus had a perfect opportunity to say, The tithe no longer matters. But he said, No, you should be doing justice and mercy, but you should also not neglect the tithe as well. So we could say then that Abraham commenced the tithe, Moses commanded the tithe, and Jesus commends the tithe. So then who are we to cancel it? It is inconceivable that a Jew would do more under law 
than we should do under grace. So then what is a tithe? Well, the tithe is when I give 10% of my earnings off of anything, whether it's income, stock, cattle, refunds, stimulus checks. It doesn't matter. It's when I give 10% of that to God before I give to the government, before I give to anyone and anything else, I give the tithe to the Lord. It's the first fruits of the 10%. It goes to God. Now listen, a tithe can be more than 10%, but it's always at least 10%. But the text is here, not only have you robbed me in tithe, but you've also robbed me in offering. So then what is really an offering? An offering is anything that's above the 10%. So not only am I really supposed to be giving 10%, but the Lord says I'm supposed to be a generous giver and give even above and beyond the 10%. So the reason withholding and not giving a whole tithe is robbery because the tithe is really the Lord's and it's holy. The word holy means to be set apart. So the tithe is something we set apart to honor God's holiness. Leviticus 27.30 again says that the tithe is holy to the Lord. Can I tell you today, just my pastor used to teach me this, and I didn't like it when I heard it, so I'm going to pass it on to you. You may be here this morning, and you're robbing God of his tithe because you drove up in it. You could be robbing God of his tithe because you're living in it, because you're wearing it because you're investing in it, because you ate it, because you vacationed with it. I don't really know, but I'm telling you to not give the tithe is to rob God, and it's a serious sin. There's no way ever that we can think that the creation can rob the creator and get away with it. But you see, there's so much more to this, and we'll get to it later, but think about it like this with me. We wouldn't think of not paying taxes on our homes or on our income for fear of what would happen if we didn't. And I'm here today to challenge you that perhaps we fear not giving the man what's his due more than we fear not giving to God what's his due. You see, in Matthew chapter 12, verses 17 and 21, these people came up and they said, tell us then what do you think? Is it permissible to pay a poll tax to Caesar or not? Jesus has some more conversation, but then he says in verse 21, then to pay Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to give God the things that are God's. See, many of us will pay our taxes, but we won't pay our tithe. Most of us wouldn't think about robbing a bank, would we? But God says, you've robbed me, and it's just as serious. As a matter of fact, it's more serious. Here's the truth. I would rather go down and rob Fayette Savings Bank than to rob God. Now, don't get any ideas, because I'm not thinking about that. <laughs> Let me go in public by saying that. If it gets robbed tonight, it wasn't my doing. <laughs> Sometimes people withhold their tithe, though. Can I, can I speak to you just for a moment? I've been doing this for 26 years, and I need to tell you something. There's nothing new under the sun. Some people in the church today didn't give because they don't like me. Some people today didn't give because they don't like some of the decisions we've made as a church. Some people didn't give today because they've been hurt by this church. And so they're just like, well, I'm just not going to give like you're going to punish us. Can I tell you today, listen to me, folks, to not give a tithe for any reason 
is a serious sin before God. But you have to realize not only is it a serious sin, but, but also realize the failure to, die, to tithe is a serious situation. It's a serious situation because in verse 9, he says this. Watch this. He says, if you're not going to tithe, you are cursed with a curse. Now, guys, to be cursed is one thing, but to be cursed with a curse is another. <laughs> They're cursed for not bringing a full tithe or any tithe at all was because, God, we fell through these difficult economic times. We just simply don't have it. God's saying the reason you're in difficult times is because you haven't been given it. It's a serious situation when you take God out of your finances. They had failed to obey God, and that was the reason they were in the impoverished condition. So let me just help you understand today that low income is never a real reason to fail to give God his tithe. The widow gave two mites. She gave all she had. She gave more than ten. She gave a hundred. Figure that one out, right? It's interesting that God here doesn't talk about their morals. God doesn't talk about their manners or their methods. He talks about their money because God knows that our hearts are tied to our, what we treasure. If my heart is all about stuff, material things, pleasures, desires, then my money will follow. So here their hearts were exposed. Their hearts were far from God. That's why he says, return to me. And let me tell you something, beloved. It is a serious situation to be far from God. It is a serious situation. Think about it. It's not wrong to have possessions. As a matter of fact, God wants you to have possessions because he, he, he wants you to be able to be a good steward of them. But while God may want you to have possessions, he doesn't want your possessions to have you. You see, I can be financially in bondage under the discipline of God and be a poor person, or I can be in financial bondage and slavery and be a rich person. Some think I can't afford to tithe. Beloved, the truth is you can't afford not to. I mean, if we're not faithful to walk in the Lord's will with our lives, we can expect his discipline. Some say they can't tithe because they don't have the money. I'm saying that's the problem. You start tithing and putting the kingdom first, and God will take care of what you need to do with the other 90%. See, I can have problems or I can have peace. The tithe will settle that one. I remember reading about a man walked into a bank and he wrote on a note and he gave it to the teller. He said, put, your, put all your money in this bag because this is a holdup. Well, the teller wrote something and she gave it back to him and it said this, straighten your tie, bozo. They're taking your picture. Now, whether you know it or not, God took your picture this morning. You're not going to get away with it. I'm not telling you what I think God will do, and I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to tell you this. This message is not about God getting your tithe. This is about God getting your heart, and he's going to give you a whole lot. I'm really trying to free you up. I'm not trying to come down on you. So listen to me. Can I remind you that God's teaching us this, not so that he can punish us, but so that he can bless us. You have to understand that. So I have to realize if I don't tithe, the robbery has occurred. But then secondly, if I don't tithe, there's a repentance that is offered. There's a repentance that is offered. This is great. Look at verse 7. God says, return to me and I will return to you. Man, that is awesome. What grace? Because this is a matter before anything else. This is a matter that God wants relationship with us. So then if I'm going to repent, if I haven't been given my tithe, what's the first thing I do? Write a check? No. 
The first thing we do is return to the Father. We return to the Father because God says, return to me. This is a relational matter first. This is a matter of my heart before it's a matter of my tithe, because I want you to hear God's heart. If I'm not tithing, God says, I love you and I want you to come back to me and I want you to bless. I want to bless you. It's all about relationship first, because God knows that if he has my heart, obedience to tithe will take care of itself. Here's the point. God wants you, not your money. Tithing starts with loving God and obedience is the overflow. So tithing isn't the way we grow or fulfill our budget. Tithing is a way that God grows believers. I remember reading about a corn farmer who had two boys and he had them out working in the hot sun on a farm day after day. And all the other boys around were all fishing and hunting and running around. And somebody came up to the farmer. Hey, why do you work those boys so hard day after day? You don't have to work them so hard just to raise corn. The farmer replied, I'm not trying to raise corn. I'm trying to raise young men. Let me tell you something. God's not after raising money. God's trying to raise up disciples. And here's the truth of God's word. Let this sink into your heart because it's true. It's going to sting. But, but here, it stung me. But the consecration that doesn't reach my finances has never reached my heart. I can say I love God all I want to, but if it hasn't touched you to the point to where you can tithe, I'm telling you, it just really hasn't reached your heart yet. Because our hearts are revealed. Matthew 6, 21 tells us that for where our treasure is, there my heart will be also. And Matthew 6, says to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be provided. So in other words, if I seek God first and I tithe, he takes care of the rest. So I have to seek him. I remember two farmers were talking and one of them had just milked the cow. He came back into the barn and the other one said, well, how much did she give? The farmer said, she didn't give anything. I had to take every drop from her. Can I tell you, that's sometimes what it's like in church. With tithing. But can I tell you, God doesn't want to take it from you. He wants you to give it. And God says he loves a hilarious giver. The Bible says he loves a cheerful giver. So what is it that makes me a cheerful giver? It's the love relationship with God. So if this is from the heart that overflows from being loved and loving God, then the tithe is not something God has to get from me. It's something I can't wait to give to him. So return to the Father. Return to his love for you. When I don't tithe, repentance is offered. I return to the Father. And when I return to the Father, secondly, I can release your finances. You can release your finances. Verse 7 says, how shall we return? Verse 10, he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so there may be food in my house. And test me and see if I want to open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. So let's just talk about this idea of releasing my finances through a tithe. First of all, let's look at the plan of the tithe. The plan of the tithe. Notice that God says bring the whole tithe. You see, in that day, they would have to travel to the temple and they would have to carry things such as sheep, oil, and wheat that were their tithe. So they'd have to keep an accurate account of everything to know what a tenth of it all would mean. In other words, they had to make a plan. Beloved, I need to tell you today, you're going to have to make a plan if you want to tithe. You're going to have to keep account, and you're going to have to use a thing called a budget. 
You're going to have to know what your expenses are, and you're going to have to know what it is you need to give. And so you can do that. But he says when you come to the storehouse, you've got to bring your tithe. And I'm telling you, when you come to meet with us in worship, you are to have planned out and to bring the tithe. That's the plan. You bring it, but you have to prepare for it. But then let's look at the person of the tithe. He says, bring it into the storehouse so the fruit in my house and test me. We're bringing the tithe to none other than the Lord Jesus. This is not be mistaken. You're not giving to First Baptist Church. You're giving through First Baptist Church. You're giving to the Lord. That's why when you don't give, you're not upsetting me. When you don't give, this is personally offensive to God because you're giving to him. Let's talk about then the proportion of the tithe, the proportion of the tithe. He says to bring the whole tithe in verse 10. Well, that means 10%, but it doesn't mean 10% after the government gets it. It means 10% of the gross before taxes. Who in their right mind would ever say, I want Uncle Sam to get more than what God does? This is before the bills. You're saying, man, man, does God want me to be irresponsible and not pay my electric bill because I had to pay that tithe? You got it so wrong. You pay your tithe, God will help you pay your electric bill. I'd rather be found faithful in God's house and not have a house. But that's just me. But God says, bring the whole tithe. Let me tell you this. Can I just speak to you like, like just Frank? Can I just, just lovingly tell you the truth? There's no way to sugarcoat stuff like this, folks. But God wants a tithe, not a tip. Well, you know, if the service is really good and the pastor's going good, I'll give about $10 this week. It's 10%, man. Okay? It's not a tip. God doesn't want you leftovers. Well, let me look at my wallet after I ate all of it and I spent all of it and I watched all of it. Let me see what else I got. Well, I got a, I got a little bit of change here. Let me put that in there. God says bring the whole tenth. That's the whole tithe. You see, in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 2, it says this. On the first day of every week today, each of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper. That tells me that we're supposed to do this every week. That's Sunday. That each of us is supposed to do it. But then each of us is to set aside as we've prospered. That means some weeks you will tithe more than others because some weeks you've been blessed more than other weeks. You may get extra income, you may get a gift, you may get something, but the tithe is as I have prospered, then I'm supposed to set it aside to bring it. Talking about giving, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, speaking about generous giving, Paul says, just as you excel in everything, in faith, speaking, knowledge, and in all earnestness, in the love we inspired in you, watch, See that you also excel in this gracious work. What's this gracious work? It's giving. Again, I'm telling you that the, the tithe is not the end point. It's the starting point for the believer. We're supposed to grow in that as well. We're to grow in our tithes and grow in our offerings. We're supposed to be a generous people because we serve a generous God. Some We'll struggle again with this being a New Testament concept. The, the law doesn't apply to us. We're, we're under grace in the New Testament. But can I just give you just a news flash? Jesus never revised the law downward. Let me tell you what I mean. Jesus never said, well, the Old Testament said, don't steal. But I tell you, you can steal a little bit. 
Jesus said in Matthew 5, except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. What's my point? This is not about the law. This is about what God's done in our hearts. So then what's the place of the tithe? That often gets confused, right? God says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. You see, in that day, the people brought everything to the temple. And those working there, the priests and the Levites, would store up all the things that the people brought, and they would put it into the storehouse to be used to do ministry and to take care of themselves. For us today, that's the church. The New Testament church is the counterpart to the Old Testament temple. Steve, where do you get that? Well, thanks for asking, because in 1 Corinthians 16, 2, I'm going to show you. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put aside and save. Now, we can trace that language all the way back to the Old Testament. To put aside means to store up. That's the reference back to the storehouse. This is God's way of saying that today you don't store up all your stuff at your home. You bring it, you store it up there. No, you store it aside and then you bring it into the temple, so uh, to the church. So what Paul is saying to the New Testament church is, is just as they brought everything to the temple, you are to bring your tithe today to the church. That's why prophet Malachi says that this, bring your whole tithe to the storehouse. There are some people who think they can give their tithe anywhere they want to give it. But can I just challenge you today that God has not only commanded us what to give, but he's commanded us where to give it. Deuteronomy 12, 11 says this, Then it shall come that the place in which the Lord your God will choose for his name to dwell, there you shall bring everything that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the contribution of your hand, and all your choice vowed offerings which you will vow to the Lord. That place that God has set aside was the temple. Today, it is the church. That means that the tithe is for the local church in which you are a member or are regularly attending. Your tithe is not for a TV ministry. Your tithe is not to go to the food bank. Your tithe is not to go to pay for camp or to support a missionary. It's to be brought to the church. Now, if you want to give other things above and beyond that, and you should, that's great. That's an offering. But the tithe comes to the storehouse, and that is the church. It's the place you're a member at, the one you are currently connected to and committed to. Watch. It's not the church you used to be with, or the one that you like better, or the one that you think needs it more. Your tithe is to be to this church if you're committed here. What's the purpose then of the tithe? God says then there will be food in my house. Is that what he says? That's what he says. That is a simple way of saying that the tithe is the way God finances the work of his church. Can I just go out on a limb and tell you my heart? There's not a church that needs to do a fundraiser if everybody's tithing. The tithe has been God's way to finance the work of the church. So when we have to do fundraisers, it tells me that it's because we don't have tithers. I'm just telling you, you will not find a fundraiser in the scripture. But what you will find is the tithe. And I'm just here today to tell you that this is the purpose. God says, this is how I fund my work. It's through the tithe. But then what's the proposition of the tithe? God says, hey, test me. It's the only place in Scripture God says to test him. I think this is probably pretty serious. 
God says, you can trust me in my word. If you tithe, I will bless you. Trust me, put your faith in me. So then listen, I, I know today is harsh, but when the scripture talks about sin seriously, so do I. I don't get to choose and make it a little more palatable. You need to feel the sting because they felt the sting. I needed to feel the sting. But listen to me. If I take that verse, test me now in this and see if I want to open the windows of heaven for you. If I take that verse at face value, there's only one reason that a person doesn't tithe and only one. It is simply because they don't believe God's word. And we're really getting down to where the rubber meets the road, right? Because tithing has nothing to do with your finances. It has everything to do with your faith. Do I really trust that when I do what God says, God will do what he says? That's really what we're struggling with. Do I really trust God? Can I get any witnesses in the house that you've trusted God and he's been faithful? I got any witnesses in the house? I, give me an amen. I got some omes in the house. I'm just saying. God has been faithful. So repentance is offered. Just come back to the Father through love and trust Him. And when you do, you're going to release your finances and then watch this. Here's what this leads to. Here's the third thing. When, when I go and I realize a robbery's occurred and then I repent, the third thing is this. When I do tithe, there is a reward for obedience. There's a reward for obedience. Do you see that? God really wants to bless you. This is more about God giving to you than God getting from you. But I know you're going to take me out of context. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to put it on record. The reward God gives you may not be financial. You have to understand. This ain't no give and get thing. Like I give $10, God's going to give me $100. No, you give God $10, he's probably going to ask for 50 more. And then he's going to bless you with great opportunities to give it away. That's how God's going to bless you, with opportunities to give it away. So what are some of the rewards? Where verses 11 through 12 tell us those rewards. The first one is this. I'll experience a renewing of my faith. Verse 10, God says, test me. When you step out in faith and tithe, that will require surrender and trust. And when you trust the Lord that kind of way, you will experience a renewal of your faith that God is who he says he is. You will experience a renewal of your faith. God can be trusted. And if he can be trusted with that, he can be trusted with so much more. Here's the way it works. When I put God first in the area of my finances, God will get involved in my finances and bless them. And God will make sure you don't outgive him. In other words, I shovel 10% out. God shovels a whole bunch more in. And here's the way that works. God's always got a bigger shovel. <laughs> Do you know what tithing does? It puts your money where it belongs and it puts God where he belongs. Because Deuteronomy 14, 23 says this, you shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God at the place where he chooses to establish his name, the tithe of your grain, your new wine, your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and your flock, so that you may learn to fear the Lord your God. This is one way that the Lord always makes sure we're putting him first. Tithing is not a matter of what I think about giving. Tithing is really what I think about God. Do I really trust that God will keep his word? 
Do I trust the power of God to meet every financial need I have if I set aside 10% to give to God? Do I trust the power of God that he will honor me if I honor him? You see, if the answer to that is yes, I won't have to tithe. I will want to tithe. And not only will I want to tithe, I want to go above and beyond that tithe because I will want to be a generous giver because I realize how much God has given to me. That's one reward. The second one is this. I will experience a rebuking of my foes. Rebuking of my foes. Verse 11 says, then I rebuke the devourer for you. Isn't that beautiful? The tithe brings supernatural blessings and protection on my life. God will rebuke and handle those things that are sent against me and my finances. It does not mean that I can be irresponsible though. But he will keep me in a job. He will help me find another one. He will come against anything that's set against me trying to keep me from tithing. God will take care of it. There is a rebuking of my foes. You need to know that if you give a tithe, you probably aren't going to be a millionaire like some people teach you. And you probably ain't going to have as much money as you thought you were going to have. But what I can tell you today is this. You will always do more with nine-tenths and God as a partner rebuking your foes than you can do with all of it facing it by yourself. Here's another reward. I will experience a restoring of fruitfulness. A restoring of fruitfulness. Verse 11, this is good. He says, Nor destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes. In other words, my fruit won't fall to the ground ahead of time. It's only going to increase. You're saying, are you starting to preach something a little funny? Well, I don't know. Look at Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first, the tithe of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I've seen that happen in my life. I've seen that happen over and over in my life. Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25. There is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. There is one withholds what is justly due and yet it results only in poverty. A generous person will be prosperous and one who gives others plenty of water will himself be given plenty. If you're saying, man, I wish I could just give more than what I do. Well, start with the tithe and see what happens. You want to be a generous person? Start with the tithe. God will then enable you to be generous with so much more because it's the principle. Then the last thing is this, I will experience a returning of favor. I will experience a returning of favor. Verse 12 says this, all the nations will call you blessed and you shall be a delightful land. If I tithe, God says he's going to call me blessed and I'm going to be a delight. God will do such a work in my life through proving him, testing him, that I will be described as one who's been blessed and I will be a delight. They will say, hey, you're delighted in by God. You're favored by God. You can say, man, it's not me. It's my God. Beloved, when we take God in his word and tithe, there are rewards for our obedience that far outweigh what we can have if we don't tithe. Beloved, I just need you to see this. You can't really see it, but trust me, this is a dime. Really, the dime is significant because it represents the tenth. It's the tenth of a dollar. You see, here's what happens, man. If I go through my life and, and God's given me everything, even including this tenth, because he's given me 100%. But if I put this tithe and I keep it closed in my hand, God says he's wanting to bless me and he's wanting to make me a greater steward to give away things to advance his kingdom. When I hold on to the tithe and I don't give it, Father God says, well, then guess what? Look, looks like you missed that. I really want to bless you. You want to let go of that tithe? I got to keep it, God. I don't really have enough. Well, thought I'd give you some more, but I guess you missed it. 
But what do you want to do? Do you want to continue to hold on to the tithe? Or do you want to have an open hand with all your resources and say, God, I not only give you the tithe, but everything else that you give me, it all belongs to you. I'll make sure that I give you the tenth. But everything that you want to bless me with, God, I'll make sure. I may keep some of it, sure. But I've got to understand the principle that this is not about God getting something from you. It's when you give to him what's already his, he will, what, give you everything else that belongs to him. Because it's a matter of trust. Can you be trusted? Because God can. I need you to understand today that when I don't tithe, the robbery has occurred. Repentance is offered. But when I do tithe, there is a reward for your obedience. Can I tell you, just as I told you, it will not be, most likely won't be money that God gives you. It could be good health. It could be friends. It could be a job. It could be favor with a neighbor. I don't know. God's got thousands of ways he can bless you. But I can tell you this, if you tithe, God's favor will be on your life. Two men were stranded on an island. Matt, you and a team can make your way up here. Two men were stranded on an island. They'd been there for days and their bodies were starting to decay and their bodies were starting to deteriorate. One man out of desperation turned over to his buddy there and he says, hey, listen, bro, we've been here all these times and we're starting to really kind of die but you don't seem like you're worried about it at all. Well, he looked over at his friend. He says, hey, listen, dude. I make $100,000 a week. And I tithe faithfully. I promise you, my pastor is going to find us. <laughs> hear me and hear me well. I did not preach this message because I need your tithe. That is not what this is about. I preach this message because I'm interested in raising disciples. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them everything I have commanded them. Brothers and sisters, I've tried to show you faithfully from God's word, this is one of his commands. This is not about me and about our church and about money. This is really about our hearts. Do we really just trust God? I know there's some of you here today, you're saying, man, I don't really know how to do that. Again, I want to tell you, we can help you with a budget. There are a lot of great men and women in this room who can help you establish a budget. If you need that help, please talk to us. And I'll go out on a limb and I'll say this, and my wife knows I've done this, every church we've ever been in, I'll make the promise to you today. I've never had somebody come up to me. I'll make the promise to you today. I don't know how I'll do it, but I'll make the promise to you. I'll just tell you, if you tithe and you're responsible, with your money. But if you tithe and you can't pay your bills, if you've been responsible, I'll pay your bill for you. I just trust God that much. But see, I think you're a fool to say, Pastor, I'll take you up on that when God's made you a better deal. I don't know how I'd pay for it, but God knows exactly how he would. You can trust God. But I'll still do it because I believe in the power of the tithe. Matt, as you guys begin to play behind me, I want to speak a word to somebody who maybe came in off the street. And you're saying, hey, you know what? <laughs> this is crazy because, man, this is the third time I've been in church in the past six months. And every time I come in, they're preaching about money. This is the first time I've preached about money since I've been here. 
There's some people who tell me I don't preach about money enough. Jesus talked more about money than he did hell. I think it's pretty important because he knows where our hearts are at. But can I tell you, if you came in today and you're like, man, I didn't expect to hear a message about money. Can I tell you, it's not been about money. I am, there's not a, even an iota in my body today that wanted to, to pressure you, manipulate you to get anything from you. I wanted you to leave here today knowing that you can have eternal life with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that just as we trust him, that if we give him a tithe, he will take care of our needs. If you give him your heart, he can give you eternal life. So today, I want you to know I'm not, thinking, I want you to think for a skinny minute, I'm trying to twist you, manipulate you. I want you to know for sure that you can go to heaven when you die by knowing and trusting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So can I ask you today, are, are you saved, my friend? Are you saved from the wages of sin, which is death? You see, I want to tell you today, I wouldn't go 24 hours without Jesus Christ. I wouldn't go without Jesus Christ for a million dollars, $10 million, you name it. Because I've realized that every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. I've lived long enough to understand this, that I would trust Jesus if there wasn't a heaven and there wasn't a hell. Because he loves me. But you can rest assured there is both. And I want you to know that, that joy. So I wonder today, right now in this room, if you don't know the Lord, Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, would you like to? Would you like to know that you can be forgiven of all your sin, have heaven as your home, have peace in your heart? Because the Bible says in Acts 16, 31, to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus and you shall be saved. What does it mean to believe? It doesn't mean intellectual belief. It means commitment. It really means to trust. So I wonder today, if you're in the room and, and God's been speaking to you, and you wonder when this was going to kind of come out, I wonder today, right now, if you just all just bow your heads, and if anybody needs the Lord Jesus Christ today, would you just say something like this to God? Lord God, today I realize that I am a sinner and I am lost and on my way to hell. And I need to be saved. So Jesus, right now, I believe that you are the Son of God. That you died on a cross to pay for my sins. And I believe that God raised you from the dead. And I believe that you will save me if I trust you. And so right now, Jesus, I'm trusting you. You're saying, Pastor, I can't remember all those words. I'm going to tell you right now, if you'll just pray something like that from your heart and just say, Jesus, save me. I promise you, he will. Well, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to let you respond as God's people. Maybe today you need to do business with God and say, God, I need to tithe. Maybe today you need to say, I really need to be saved. Maybe today you need to pray about something in some form or fashion. But I'm going to pray, and then we're going to stand and sing, and you'll come. So, Father, you've spoken today. And I pray that we would see that your heart is really to bless us. You'll open up the windows. pray we would know that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me and would you come?
and turn your eyes upon Jesus. Can we just continue to sing that? Would you sing that for us and with us? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of Pastor Justin to kind of come here and share some good and exciting news, if you would, Pastor Justin. So I just had the privilege to be able to lead my daughter to Christ. Very excited uh, for her. Um, She's been been praying from the day she's born. We've been praying for this day, and um, it's even sweeter today because today is her eighth birthday. It's her birthday today, and so we celebrate not only her physical life today, but now we celebrate her new life uh, in Christ, and uh, as parents know, there's no greater joy than to see your children choose um, for themselves uh, to follow Jesus. Again, I, as I did with all of my kids, I asked them, you know, are you doing this because you think this is what mom and dad want you to do, or are you doing this because this is what the Lord is calling you to do, and she said that this is what Jesus was telling her to do. So, Amen. praise God. Amen. Celebrate with you, brother. So, thank Woo-hoo! you. Can you get that? There you go. Thank you so much, Kirsten. We're proud of you. Happy birthday. Hey, folks, I want to send you out of here to be about the Great Commission, but in about five minutes, we'll reconvene, and we're going to have an awesome business meeting. Amen? So you go, and God's grace. Thanks for being here. in the lobby We watch our worship on the screen We got a rock star preacher Who won't wake us from our dreams We want our blessings in our pocket We keep our missions overseas For the hurting in our city Would we even cross the But we want to see the heart set free and the tyrants kneel.